Welcome to the Better Births, Better Babies podcast, where we help you reclaim the confidence and assurance that you need to thrive in motherhood. On this podcast, we're having authentic conversations among sisters and friends about raising our babies, because we believe life is fuller and more rich when you live and learn in community. So grab your earbuds and some coffee and listen while you tackle your to-do list. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Better Births, Better Babies podcast. Angela here with Hannah. Hello. And Sarah. Hi. And today we're having just a discussion. We were talking about how we just wanted to like, sometimes we feel like we have our best discussions when we like don't plan and don't prepare and we just sit and we talk, but that usually happens like in the car when we don't have the microphone or on a walk with Hadley where we don't have the microphone. So... Today we decided just to sit down and have a discussion and the discussion is going to be just about like how to advocate for yourself, the types of questions to ask, ask the way to respectfully push back um, to know your rights, I guess, um, when it comes to delivering your baby when you're getting towards the end of your pregnancy and the conversation starts moving towards induction or plan C-section. And we'll probably say this 12 times, but right off the bat, like if, if you have something going on that is very serious or like very obviously medically necessary for you to have an induction or to have a C-section, like this is not an episode to shame you or judge you like Mm -hmm. every single woman is different every experience is different but we're going to talk to the normal average everyday person who's had a healthy pregnancy no complications and they're getting or little complications and they're getting to what week 39 and like 37 37 and convert the induction word comes up plan c-section comes up so yeah you really don't want it someone take it away yeah um so there's a bunch of reasons that a doctor could kind of uh, yeah maybe like I guess scare you into like having a scheduled c-section or a plain induction especially if you don't want one and I think one of the ways that I've heard is that your baby's big and um there's a really really good article on evidencebasedbirth.com that talks about like big babies and due dates and things like that and actually majority of the research shows in like a normal pregnancy if they say that odds are your baby actually is really not big. Yes, there are some instances where your baby is huge, but majority of the time, really not. And so, like, that's one of the things that I've heard that kind of scared moms into being like, oh, oh gosh, like, this is going to be terrible if I wait too long. I'm going to need to deliver my baby now. Um, So just things like that. But I don't know, Sarah, what have you? Well, wait, let's define big baby first. Because you guys were 10 pounders. So, like, I would say, like... (laughs) <laughs> the doctor probably would have told my mom that I was a big baby and probably would have wanted we were her to get... Babies. We were big babies. And they probably been like, you need to get induced. What like, were early. you, Sarah? I was uh, nine, like nine, twelve, And almost. I was 10 pounds. And my mom had... Woo! Our mom had both of us naturally, and it was pretty much fine. Like At home, right? At home. Both and I was 10 home. days late, and like she had both of us and really no complications. So, like... It does happen, know. but I also know, like... From working in lit parts of labor and delivery, like there's a there's a more risk factors when you have a big baby and you're at home and you're ten days late and like yes there are more risk and I factors. think yeah I think 
that goes into a lot of things that we will hopefully discuss down the road. I think there's a lot more out there now that we know that kind of can prevent you from having to push a large baby out of your vagina. I think it was, I had a really awesome chiropractor who looked at me and said, all right, Sarah, if you want, like, cause I told him how big I was and he was like, okay, if you want it pretty much guarantee that you're going to have a baby that can do what it needs to do, like just be, watch your diet, like Mm -hmm. cut your sugar out. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't say anything about salt. Salt was the big obsession for a long time. He was like in the last like seven, eight, nine months, because that's when the development of the baby is done and they're literally putting on body fat. Seven, eight, nine weeks. Yeah. The last, well, okay. You said months. I meant like during month eight, by month eight, by month seven, like the lungs are done developing, all the organs are done developing. The baby is probably almost too length that yeah. they need to be. They're just bulking up, yeah. which is why now I think somewhat in the article, oh, yeah. it talks a little bit about like sugar. sugar, but also the other big thing is that the due date or what's considered a term baby is being moved. Yeah. yeah. So, so term a, was yeah. like usually 38 weeks and beyond. Yeah. And now term is 37 and 36 because they yeah. all look the same. And they're just a lighter baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but in so, reality, underneath the surface, their brain, their lungs, like everything isn't as developed as like a 40-week baby correct. would be. But they look maybe similar on the outside. Correct. And so, yeah. And they might come out a little easier because mm-hmm. their weight is a little lower. Yeah. And that feels safer to the doctors. Yeah. So, um, and maybe to mom, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I only say all this, too, because... Late pregnancy is very difficult for many people. And I had to know, just like with breastfeeding, I had to know in the middle of me doing something really hard that I was doing something really good because that's what helps motivate. Well, and on the topic of big babies, so I'm just going to recap because that was kind of a lot. Number one, not a way to, like, keep your baby skinny, but a way to, like, prevent your baby putting on a bunch of extra fluff that mm-hmm. they don't need is to just watch your sugar in the last, I think you basically just said 8 to 12 I weeks. I last trimester. Yeah. yeah. And then secondly, let's talk a little bit about the technology because in reality, like, I know that they measure your fundus, you know, to see yeah. if you're measuring on target. They can do ultrasounds. But at the end of the day, like, there's no way for them to no. weigh that baby Absolutely. when it's in utero to say, oh, he, like, he or she is going to be a big baby. It's yeah. kind of like, and you most, just don't yeah. know. And most even, of the time, it's overweight. Like, most of the time, they'll estimate, and then they'll have the baby, and it's like, it could even be like a pound less than what they said. So, yeah. like, which is a lot when you're talking about a baby. Yeah, what is a lot. I mean, that could be a different, eight, like, eight, nine pounds is a different size baby, yeah. definitely. So, yeah. They take your weight and typically blend the picture of your weight on the scale with how much from your last appointments, you know, and how big your, like, your weight gain, you know, yeah. should look kind of like a certain thing yeah. on a piece of paper. And they want it to, to make them feel like you're a normal pregnancy. And then on an ultrasound, they can take measurements of, like, the legs femur. and femur yeah. and all of that. And so... They put all of those pictures together, but I cannot tell you how many times I'd be in rooms transitioning babies and moms would be like, they said this, he was going to be a big baby and he's like seven pounds. Yeah. yeah. And so, so tell me if I'm the pregnant mom, which I'm not, but if I'm the first time pregnant mom and I'm sitting in the doctor and they're like, oh, that's a big baby because you're a big girl. Then what, like, you know, what do I say? Like, 
I don't, maybe I don't want to get an induction or I don't want to have a C-section. And so what can I respectfully, Mm -hmm. you know, say back because I want to be respectful, but I also want to be firm. I mean, that's kind of what we really care to talk about right now is like, how do, how do you create a mutual relationship with your doctor so they can work for you and you can work for them? Because that's what makes, you know, Mm -hmm. good outcomes. Um, So initially, like, I think it's okay, number one, for you to, like, not feel comfortable with things that your doctor feels comfortable saying out loud um, because yeah. that's that their line of work. Um, and and a lot of nurses and doctors are very comfortable with just being talking in quote-unquote medical lingo, but they're not really. Like, they're just saying things because they deal with pregnant women all the time, every day, and that's their that's her day job and it's your baby and it's a like once in a lifetime experience for you for so for someone to be like oh man you got a big baby in here like I have a hard time with the fact that a lot of medical professionals don't think what assumptions enter a woman's mind when they're making a slide comment or just yeah yeah just to say like I'm oh I'm just stating something that is like interesting to me or it's a fact or whatever and for you as a mom you're like Okay, well, like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, like, now I'm nervous, and I don't think that doctors. I was already always, nervous, right. and you told me this bulldozer's right, coming yeah. out. <laughs> well, right. the, the other thing I think is, like, the way you carry, I think, can also make you think your baby's going to be big. So, like, Correct. like I've seen moms, just, but it also just fluid. It's your yes. height. It's a lot of different things. Like, but you can look a lot bigger mm-hmm. than another person, but your baby could be smaller because you mm-hmm. have more fluid, or you're just shorter, or something like that. You know, and. And, like, could use also use that to be, like, you're carrying very large, and so your baby's I've also large. seen some pictures of one of them. I'm thinking of Erin uh, Napier from Hometown, yeah. where she's nine months pregnant, and she looks about three months pregnant, mm-hmm. and then she gives birth to these just, like, beautifully yeah. healthy little girls. Mm-hmm. Both yeah. times. She was nine months pregnant, mm-hmm. and she looked... She's probably pregnant. still she wearing like regular she pants. Ate Thanksgiving dinner. Right yes, now. yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, I just think it's important. I'm saying all of this too for moms who are pregnant out there or even postpartum with your baby. Like, it's okay for you to filter what your doctor is saying and, like, don't let that set the ground because you're not, you don't know much about medicine and having babies and delivering babies because it's not your profession. Don't let that set the ground for you to be like, okay, what do I need to do to fix that? Like, what do I need to do to solve that? Because that does create urgency within us to be very responsive then to what he has to tell you Mm -hmm. after he makes a comment like that. And I don't know if, I don't believe that doctors ever do it with much intention. I think they do it because, I mean, some of them are just more talkers and they're just like trying to have a conversation with you. Verbally processing. And and they know in their mind, either way, this baby's going to come out and we're going to get it out safely, hopefully. But keep in mind that their practice goes all the way up to C-section. So, like, that, like, they're not worried about getting the baby out. But, like, that is something that if you have an idea, which you should, and a plan for how you feel like you want things to look or things you want a part of your birth or don't, keep in mind in his mind, if things get desperate enough, everything's on the table for him. Yeah. Like, he's going to tell you what you need to do, and you're going to have, quote, unquote, have to do it. And that is really difficult for me, I think, as a mom and as a nurse. I don't love that perspective. But when you go in and have your baby in the doc, in, in, in a hospital versus a birthing center, you've immediately at home. put... Right, at home. But when you do it in the hospital, you've immediately put a lot of other tools on the table for a doctor to use if he needs to. Mm-hmm. And 
that will have to be something that you have to navigate and know how to ask questions about and know what it is and how to say no to it or how to Mm -hmm. say yes to it. So you are just like, that's an important thing to know. And that's kind of what we're going to like end on is just, we're going to do a little bit of education about like, what are some things that are tools, medical tools that you might not know what they're called or what they are, but they tell the doctor more about what's going on inside of your body and you can kind of give a little gentle pushback. So if he expresses concern and says, oh man, you got like, that's a big baby. Or he puts a joke out there. Or he even says like. Or he's like, you've gained a lot of weight yeah. in the last two weeks. Right. <laughs> We're going to have to do something about this. You can say, okay, like. what? What's the, you know, like, what are the concerns about like birthing a large baby? You could just like ask him like, why would that be a concern if everything else is normal? Like. Is it okay to still give birth, like, vaginally if that's what I wanted? And I just wouldn't highly encourage, just like you would have kind of a hard conversation with anybody else, like, start asking questions. Just like Hannah said, I think another, like, a really good question to start with is, like, do you think that, like, that removes, like, the option of me having a natural delivery off the table? Or does that remove the option of me having a vaginal delivery? Whatever your plan is, like, when he makes that comment and says, we're going to need to do something... Or be direct, like, are you nervous about me right. trying to vaginally deliver a, good, yeah. a big baby? Ask questions, yeah. Because if they say yes, then I even at that point, it's that time point. to find time to go find someone who's yeah. not nervous about right. that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I want that person who's down there catching my baby to feel confident about right. catching my baby. And it might seem radical, but you can switch providers two weeks before your delivery. Yep. If you've had great prenatal care at one provider... You do not have to have that person deliver your baby. You can take all of your work and the office work and have it transferred somewhere else and have someone that feels very confident about monitoring yeah. you into later pregnancy and being prob- a little bit more yeah. conservative with their approach. And they would probably backtrack and be like, oh, no, 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 Like, I'm not nervous. But, like, they're trying to get you to be nervous, kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. But... They don't, like, yeah, they, you would probably get a lot of backtracking if you asked them that question. And then they'd probably be like, no, it's going to be fine. Like, mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine. And yeah. it's, it's important you know. to mention, too, like, liability is very high for OB doctors. Um, yeah. And so that is what has bent that practice in the direction of not teaching them how to deliver breech babies, not teaching them how to do a lot of practices that older doctors did. And so I think that's another thing you have to be careful of is that, like, like, Hannah and I have been stuck in plenty of situations where it's clearly medically safely indicated to do something kind of radical and mom is arguing, family is arguing and saying, absolutely not. And I am very, a lot more naturally minded than medically minded. And I can look at that mom and be like, I'm sorry, but like you are wrong. Like you are going to kill your baby. I've seen babies die because moms are so set on the fact that their doctor is scaring them. And they don't want to listen, and it's not serious enough. So we're trying to bridge the gap between the two. We're not trying to go, every mom can have a home birth, and every woman's body is designed to deliver a baby. I just don't believe that's true. And that's what I was going to say, too. Like, I think sometimes when we talk, especially when we go unscripted, it can sound like we're speaking out of both sides of our mouths, or we're being hypocritical, or we're not being clear. So I think in an effort to be clear... Our stance on moms interacting with doctors is this. 
have the convert be the one to initiate mm-hmm. the conversation and have the conversation early. Mm-hmm. And if you choose not to, and if you choose to just like ignore or deflect, then you will find yourself in a place where when mm-hmm. the can you say shit on here? This is our podcast. When the shit hits the fan, you don't know what to do and you feel like you're just being ordered around in a moment when you want to be present, you want to be calm. And so I'm not I'm not saying that if you've had a traumatic birth experience, that's your fault. Please don't hear that. It's just we're trying to do the best we can to say like you're the parent and it's okay for you to take the autonomy to say I want to know the answers to these questions at 12 weeks, not 37. Right. And some things doctors can't physically give that to you until you're right, like weeks before. And that feels like pressure to you. And I don't know your doctor's heart. And if they like the pressure to get you to make a decision, because they, we all know some people have schedule OCD and really like everything to look a certain way. Yes. And you would Mm be inadvertently, maybe even without any malicious intent, trying to manipulate your moms into having scheduled inductions and C-sections. Because when you come in on Monday morning, you want four moms who are currently in labor because they've been laboring all night. And you're like, yes, got four deliveries today. I'm probably going to get two coming in on, you know, out of the ER. Which means I can meet my buddies Mm -hmm. for lunch at 12. (laughs) And I like, I think moms. I'm like that. I would want that. And I I think moms don't realize that like, like not that I hate to say that like you're the victim because I don't want to peg it against each other. I really don't think that doctors sometimes, even nurses know what they're doing when they're even doing it. I mean, the most deliveries in the hospital happen Monday through Friday from eight to five (laughs) because like that's what's convenient. And yet years ago, most deliveries and most births happen in the middle of the night. Like that is what our bodies prefer to do. I just think we don't like, we don't want to, it's just like put yourself in their shoes, I guess is what I'm saying. Like you don't want to miss your kid's dance recital any more than they want to miss theirs. And so just as much as you want your boss to let you er go off early because your kid's got something fun Mm -hmm. going on, so do they. And so just being mindful of like, they're literally people too. I do want to back up though, because I feel like someone's got to keep this thing on the tracks. <laughs> I do want to back all the way up though to the beginning and talk about due dates because I think it relates with the big baby thing. Um, I read this amazing book just for my own knowledge because um, I'm not on hormonal birth control. And so, you know, at 29, I'm often surprised by my period and it's at a very inconvenient time. And so I was like, maybe I'll read this book and figure out how to track my cycle so that I can stop being surprised. And it's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And something that I thought was so fascinating was um, anyone who's had a baby knows this. They like use a wheel basically mm-hmm. in the doctor's office and they tell you what your due date is based on all these things in using this wheel. Well, that wheel is basically based on the fact that every single female in the entire universe ovulates on day 14 of her cycle. And that's just not true. Like it's literally a myth. She's literally like, that is total crap. Not everybody ovulates on day 14. So that's another thing to keep in mind too is like you could be at the doctor and you could be quote unquote 38 weeks pregnant, but that's based on the fact that you ovulated on day 14 of your cycle and got pregnant. Yes. When in reality, like you could have ovulated on day 21 Mm -hmm. and you're really 37 or 39 Mm -hmm. weeks pregnant. So. 
Hey friends, we are taking a quick break to tell you about the Better Births, Better Babies community. Inside you'll find resources that expand on many of the topics we discuss on the show and an encouraging active community of mamas who are just trying to figure this parenting thing out too. Go to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com and click join now to start your free 14 days. That's betterbirthsbetterbabies.com. We'll see y'all inside. So the rule that they use to find, calculate the due date is called Nagel's rule. And basically what you do is you add seven days to the first day of your last menstrual period, and then you subtract three months, and that is your due date. This rule, though, just in, like reading this article that I read on evidence-based birth, actually is not evidence-based. <laughs> um, and at, initially they didn't know if you were supposed to do it from your last day of your last menstrual period or your first day, which for some women can be a difference of like a whole week. Oh yeah. Um, and so then they just decided, okay, let's just make it easy and stay on the safe side and do the first day. So that was the due dates earlier instead of later. But then net with this rule on that article, it also sh- um, gave a bunch of research that showed that if you don't intervene at all in birth, like without um, inductions or anything, the actual normal due date would be 40 weeks and three days. That's like the average time someone has their baby. And I think it was like less than 10% actually have their baby on their due date. It's usually later actually than their due date if there's no interventions. So the whole due date thing, I think, makes it seem it's like... such an expectation yeah. creator for You're thinking, moms. Like, yeah, you're so like, oh my much. gosh, my due date's today, so like my baby should come soon, you know? But like what if you ovulated a week after what normal moms ovulated, then your due date's really a week later than what you think so you're like sitting there like oh my gosh I feel like so fat and I just like can't do this anymore and I'm over it and your doctor's like let's induce and you're like okay sure this is great you've got hemorrhoids you're not sleeping like there's terrible things that happen but yeah you're just like because the due date's come and gone you feel like it's just like you've been doing this forever but if your due date was that next week you'd probably be like more okay with waiting that long so like this due date thing just creates this and I think, too, something that I thought was really cool at the doctor that I went to for the pregnancy I'm currently in, she Oh, yeah, loosely, guys, Sarah's pregnant. Again. <laughs> she yes. loosely got my, like, my period date, but she was more adamant about taking photos of the baby on oh, ultrasound yeah. and, like, measuring, like, heart, length of the baby. She got, like, six pictures, and the computer like, gave her an estimate, and then she took the average of the estimate, which I thought was really, like, yeah. I really respected that. They for did. Like, yeah. And then she created the due date from that point. So she was like, okay, if the baby is seven weeks and one day now, this is your due date based they on 40 weeks. They did talk about, it was like, I think it was like an eight to ten week ultrasound is actually more accurate. Right. And then they said that you should, like, doctors should really never change the due date after that. Like, say, like, the whole big baby thing, like, say they're, you're getting an ultrasound for, like, your gender or whatever, if your baby's big then, it really should not affect the due date. Right. It's like, because it, it's a bunch of other factors, it's really the beginning of the development right. and things like that. Yeah. So. And we have had, you know, like, I just want to say, like, we've known people who have gone in for those, you know, early ultrasounds and the baby has measured, you know, significantly smaller than they thought and ended up in miscarriage or then other times it's been fine. So we're not saying that like all measurements just disregard them. Like I think there's a time and place for yeah, those well, for yeah. sure. Well, the most ac- like th- that's what it was saying. The most accurate measurements are that first ultrasound that you would get. Um, yeah. So it's just um, it's just all like really subjective and yeah. hard. And I no doctor really like 
can tell you for sure when your exact due date is. It's really just your body. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, I think it's just hard for people to accept that. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, to kind of like bring this all together, I think that's something I wanted to like first, I just want to make a note of is that I had to do, I did some evidence-based research when I was late in pregnancy because I took care of so many NICU babies and I was like, 37 weekers, they come out great. Like I'm ready for a 38 weeker or 37 weeker. That would be awesome. And then I found like lots and lots and lots of evidence that shows how much brain development happens in the last two weeks and body fat development happens. Babies get fat pads on their nipples, behind their neck. A lot of those fat pads only form in the last like week 38 and 39 and those help they're called brown fat and they help sustain baby with like energy calories and like sugar sustainment because babies can't yeah babies can't sweat so like all of that really helps sustain them while your milk's trying to come in and if it comes in on day five or six versus day two or three like all of those little things are present and form in the last two weeks of pregnancy. And so even like there's evidence to say that babies need to stay in there like 40 to 41 weeks, like all of that extra brain development is so good for them to handle the overstimulation that's about to happen. And so I think a lot of moms, like I'm saying all of this because that really helped play into my protective mechanisms of like, I really want my baby to feel like she can handle the world. Like I want her to come out and feel like she can handle the lights and the sound and the stimulus and people touching her and holding her and talking to her. And I just don't think there's any consideration paid to like that. Those things are formed in the last like two weeks of pregnancy. Like your baby is more capable of living life and thriving and having a healthy breastfeeding relationship, having good facial tone, having like a lot of things that, Better lung development. Better lung development. The lungs and the brain are the two last things to develop. They're more stable after birth. Um, They breastfeed better. Once I started reading all that, I was like, okay, you're staying in there. Yeah. And like, we're going to wait on this. So I put all of that out there for you moms that have a baby inside of you. And please just know that like outside of, we've really not talked a lot about of a, a lot about induction complications. There can be complications to a completely natural delivery. Right. Don't want to say that there's not to either. It's a hard thing. And that is a reason to per, to not induce because medications, we all know there's always side effects. And so that's a big thing that people are like, oh, natural is better. You know, no, I don't want to feel any pain. Like we haven't really gotten there yet. And I think obviously that is a reason to maybe try to detour around the induction to just avoid some of those possible complications. Yeah. A lot of times when you introduce one drug, you don't know that you're saying that you're, you're 50% chance you're saying yes to another drug. A lot of moms say, I only want yes to this drug. And because of how drugs work and medical interventions work, I just want everyone to know you are open, you're cracking the door to the possibility of more yeah. than that. Mm-hmm. Like if you so, want a natural delivery and you get induced, you like there's a higher chance you will not be able to do that right. and you will need it like an epidural. So or I just speak else. that out there for ex- the sake of expectations. But we're we're making a deal of this and we're talking about this number 1 because we believe that those we believe that that end of pregnancy development is important for people to know about. It's important for you to advocate for yourself and your baby in like huge important 
and it's not advertised, and but I it's think, out there all over the internet to read for yourself. And I think just to encourage you and like, you know, some of you are probably listening to this and like, easy for you to say you've never been pregnant. You're correct. But if you're, if you need something to hold on to, then hold on to breastfeeding because if you want um, a healthy, successful, and I'm not going to say easy. We talked about that in plenty of other episodes. But you want to give yourself the best chance mm-hmm. of a long, healthy, successful breastfeeding journey. Like, your body needs time to adjust as well. And, and turn when on you, labor. And turn on, on labor, yeah. yeah. And when you flood your body with... Is chemical the right word? But I mean, like, drugs are made with chemicals, but yeah, drugs when you, that have an intent. Yeah, when you flood your body with just high levels of things that would otherwise be produced naturally... Like, it changes all of that. And, you know, like Sarah is saying, with an induct, an early, quote-unquote, early induction specifically, like, your baby's already probably going to come out with a little less fat on their body. Your milk is probably going to take a little longer to come mm-hmm. in. And then now, without even meaning to, you've created this really vicious, like, birth weight cycle where there's all this pressure. And everyone's trying to catch up. And I can tell you once your baby comes out, birth weight or weight matters a whole lot. And so, yeah, you just want to set yourself up for success. So you're not feeling pressured now rather than after the pressure of induction. Now you're feeling pressured to like change your feeding plans and change your, you know, your recovery plans because you have to feed every two hours just to try to get weight on your baby. Mm -hmm. So not that those things can't happen if you have a 41 week, I most, I feel like a lot of moms have, it's about 40 and five on the first baby. Yeah. Um, and so just like to shift your perspective, if you're a first time mom, I, I told myself in my head, cause I worked at the hospital, I'm having this baby at 40 and five. I had her at 40 and six. And so it was like, that just helped my mind. Yeah. Um, but not a lot of people know enough to do that. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that I want to hit to is, um, NSTs, blood work, And kind of that final stuff that you can ask your doctor for or just kind of plant the ideas back in his brain. If he's saying, I really am concerned about a few things. Here's what they are. I think a great thing for you to do is to ask him, like, how can I, like, what do we need to do? Extra blood work. Do I need to come in and sit on the monitor for 20, 30 minutes so you can watch how my baby is is feeling which on the inside? Which that's the no stress Which that's test. an NST, which is called, yeah, non-stress test. Um, and they put two belly bands on you. One monitors if you're having contractions, which a lot of moms are having contractions pretty steadily um, towards the end of pregnancy. You just don't feel them. And then they put one heart rate monitor on baby. And you just sit in the office. Um, Any woman who typically is over 40 weeks, you're required to go in twice a week to get them done until you're 42 weeks. Um, But you could ask for that earlier. Like if your doctor, if you're at 37 weeks and he's like, oh, I don't know how how well this baby's tolerating being in there and your sugar is hot, you know, say, well, is there any way we can we can do some more work to know mm-hmm. how my baby is handling I'm happy it. to come in more frequently. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that like some doctors that's not what they would that's not the ideal for them because that's not their standard practice, but there are options for you. So ask for extra and an extra NST or maybe just say can I come in for an, a non-stress test if you want to say it the the whole word. Um, ask him if he can draw blood work. Check mm-hmm. your blood sugar. Do I need to check my glucose every day? Mm-hmm. Do I need check to come your, in? Yeah, your P, 
Yes. And at home, like that's super So easy. protein in your urine protein is a sign that urine, your yeah. body is stressed out. So you could say, hey, can I come in and give you a pee test twice a yeah. week if you're worried about protein in my urine and my and my blood pressure? Can I come in for blood pressure checks? Or can, can you, I, can I, or say like, is it okay if I check my blood pressure at home? Yes. Can you recommend yeah. like an at-home protein urinalysis thing? Yes. And can I'll I, just call you yes. if it's a number yes. you don't like. Yes. Absolutely. All of these things are not put on the table because they're not a part of the system and the process. And I don't, but I don't want anyone to think that makes it not safe. It actually, you'd be extremely in a more safe scenario to do all of these things for yourself from home than wait. Even Mm -hmm. a healthy mom, like check your blood pressure, you know, check your urine. Like, yeah. And I think especially if you're a working mom, ask if you can do those things at home. Because the reality is like nobody wants, no one wants to lose half a day, two times a week, you know, going to work. Or quit going to work. Like if you're a working mom and he's like, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. Be like, all right, I'll quit, like not quit my job. I'll go on maternity leave next week. Can you write me an exemption form to start next week? Like, or to start tomorrow? Like, I do not have to go back to work and be on my feet. Like, and I think all of these things help a doctor realize like this woman wants a different conversation. She wants a different narrative for her. And, and she's okay. not arguing. No. She's, she's willing trying to, to help, work trying with me. To, help yep. me to be able to make sure that the baby is safe and that my license is not on the line. And so I think that these are all really important things to jot down to have. Even if you think healthy pregnancy, I'm only 20 weeks, write all this stuff down. And then on your phone. And when you get into the doctor and he comes in, paints kind of a grim picture for you. Pull your phone out and just say, okay, I have some questions for you then. If this is if this is where we're at, I have some questions for you. And then, like, if all those tests come back and they're all concerning, then yes. Like, do yes. what he says, get induced because yes. you should. If, but, like, if they're coming back and they're okay or they're good and they're not concerning, then you just keep doing what you're doing. And you yeah. keep taking the tests. And if you – I do just want to throw this out there, too – if that happens to you and at that point you've like not pursued, you know, a doula or a birth coach or anything like that, like I would highly encourage you to do that because I think at that point, like you need someone in the room with you who can help explain things and kind of coach you through like mm-hmm. the process that's happening because it's going to, it's just going to look differently right. and that's not you know, bad or good. It's yeah. just different. And so, yeah, we'll you know. probably do an episode on like doulas and just like how great they are and how you should probably just like probably have one from the beginning because <laughs> yeah. they're great and they're an advocate for you because you're literally like in the worst pain of your life and you probably can't think straight. And so, yeah. Does anyone have anything else to add? No, I feel like this was a lot of information, but again, yeah. we warned you. It was a discussion, and mm-hmm. um, we jumped around a little all over the place. So go back and take another listen. Um, hopefully there's some nuggets that you can take away of wisdom and some things that really help you feel like you are doing the right thing to let your body turn labor on, even if you want a medicated delivery, even if you want an epidural. Let your body turn labor on. Yeah. Like It is so much less painful and so much quicker if you let your body turn on and then get the epidural, like yeah. then get the pain relief because your body is the train is rolling down the tracks. And mm-hmm. so, um, we hope that this is empowering to you and makes you feel a lot more equipped. Um, did you have something yeah, else to I say? Yeah, I just wanted now? to say something really quick too. Um, just 
for like people who it's like a second or third baby and their first one they were induced and they didn't go into labor naturally I have heard that doctors will tell those moms like maybe your body doesn't go into labor naturally but that is like I just wanted to like encourage that that's not a true statement and in reality like a very very small majority of like women actually can't go into labor naturally and it's probably not you if they said that it's probably just more of like and again like another scare tactic like just to try to get you to be induced again because very similar situation to pelvic insufficiency too a lot of moms are like they said my pelvis was insufficient which meaning your pelvis is not big enough to push a baby out and that just requires a lot more proof and they're learning more about that you can't just say that anymore yeah so if you have a doctor (laughs) say one of those things to you ask more questions push a little harder probe a little bit more yeah. And hopefully that gets get you... Get a second opinion. Yeah. And a third opinion. if you need it. Hopefully that gets you some of the answers that you're looking for. And hopefully this helps you not feel like you're being taken advantage of. Um, yeah. By an industry that really doesn't want to take advantage of you. It's just that their every day looks a lot different than your every day. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is a once in a lifetime experience for you. And it is your job to make it that for yourself. Like you yeah. have to ask the questions. Do not believe... The truth that your doctor has the ability to advocate for exactly for what you every want. single yeah. patient he has a hundred percent all day long. It's physically impossible. Yeah. Um, he forgets things, and it's just the way that things happen. Or she, yeah. So, that's anyways, great. yes. So, did. if you are a member of the Better Births, Better Babies community, and you have questions about anything that we've talked about in this episode, feel free to head over to the forums and ask your questions there. Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. We would love to meet you inside our community. So head on over to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com to join. You'll immediately be welcomed into an amazing group of like-minded mamas and you'll be inspired and encouraged in your own motherhood journey. We'll see you there.